Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Celentano, our business editor, Sharp Smith, our technology editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. The 2023 Volume 2 is available now. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. So, John, you had a lot going on this week. I think you're going to start us off with Frontier, yeah? Uh, yes, Leslie, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, there's always stuff going on in our business. And, you know, I tell people Towers is in our name, but uh, we cover all aspects of digital infrastructure. And um, so I covered uh, Frontier's um, second quarter earnings call, and they had some interesting results. They're, um, you know, Frontier is, um, they're based in Connecticut, but they uh, have operations across 25 states. And they actually um, uh, pass about 15, over 15 million establishments. Uh, and of that, about uh, nearly 6 million are fiber passing. So the company is charging ahead with its, what they call its Build Gigabit America Fiber to the Home plan to reach 10 million fiber passings in the next few years. Uh, their total revenues were uh, were actually down or flat to down. Um, their gains in data and internet services were offset by declines in you know, basic voice and video and other services. But fiber is a growth area. Uh, their consumer fiber uh, revenue was up 10% uh, year over year, and their business and wholesale fiber sales were um, were up 8%. Uh, we had an opportunity to um, have a discussion with uh, Vishal Dixit, who's their uh, Frontier's chief strategy officer and the EVP of their wholesale business, uh, to give us some insights on what they're doing on the wholesale side of, of the ledger. Um, and one of the big things that's driving that business is a, an agreement they have with AT&T to, um, to really upgrade all AT&T's tower locations to be 5G capable, meaning they're running, Frontier's running its fiber to all AT&T cell sites in its operating territory. Um, uh, mainly for backhaul, but uh, any other fiber requirements ATT may have at those sites, they're taken care of as well. So this agreement um, is an extension. Uh, it w- was signed in February, but it's an extension of a deal they signed in October of 2021, where Fi- Frontier would bring fiber connectivity to all uh, large enterprise customers outside of ATT's current footprint. And as a result of uh, this this deal, you know the uh, business and wholesale segment of Frontier's business has grown really every quarter since uh, the end of uh, 2022. Uh, you know the, the company actually operates the fourth largest fiber network in the country, uh, has as behind AT&T, Verizon, and Lumen. Uh, 180,000 route miles. It passes the the company claims they they pass 40 400,000 businesses that are within 250 feet of the fiber and something like 23,000 towers within one mile of that fiber. So it's a pretty extensive network that they're trying to 
get a lot of um, um, business through. Um, they they maintain their guidance for the year of three to three point two billion, uh, but cautioning that the, um, the the spending levels will start to decline through the second half of the year, mainly because they've already spent capital for things like site preparation. Uh, they've already used up a lot of uh, and have in inventory a lot of equipment that they would have had to buy. They were already purchased, and as they progress with their fiber to the home deployments, they're finding that the cost per home passed is actually, the construction costs are actually, um, they're able to bring them down a little bit. So, and on top of that, they, they raised some money. We reported uh, a little while ago, they, they uh, obtained a 2.1 billion securitization against existing fiber assets. So that gives them the, um, the, uh, the firepower to continue <clears throat> with their fiber buildouts without having to worry about um, additional funding for, for a little while. Um, but Dixon pointed out that, um, you know, the, they're working with all the mobile network operators and even some tower companies in their operating territory and and lease and increasing the number of fiber to the tower leases that they're putting in place. As Dixit said, you know, we're trying to get away from one tower at a time, particularly in our dense fiber markets like Texas and Florida. And so they're, they're working with the, um, the end users to uh, provide that uh, capability is, uh, you know, pitching the fact that they have not only uh, capacity, but that their network is resilient. They can have diverse fiber routes. They use a mix of aerial and buried fiber to uh, to ensure reliability of the of those networks, that network. So um, uh, they they feel they're well positioned. You know, they even supply backup uh, options like a, a reserve power backup diesel generators, that sort of thing. Um, they're really positioned well in rural areas, what Dixit referred to as the rural edge, meaning that they can help the MNOs uh, expand their 5G connectivity into tier two, tier three markets because uh, Frontier has fiber in those areas. So uh, he also talked about small cells as another growth area, particularly as the MNOs want to densify their networks uh, in residential areas. Um, and they today they can they can connect the small cells at a one gigabit per second rate, but they're um, they're looking to up that to about 10, 10 gigabits per second for uh, for these small cells. So the interesting story. We're going to continue to follow it. Uh, you know, fiber is integral to um, um, the wireless network infrastructure and tying all the towers together. So it's um, it's something worth uh, keeping an eye on. Thanks, John. Um, so Maui, for me, Maui was the big story all week. Uh, on the weekend, the carriers were there trying to restore communications because th when the FCC got its first disaster information reporting system report out, 20 of the 21 cell sites had no power um, in West Maui. And the carriers were bringing in... Um, Colts, cows, uh, some satellite phones, all kinds of equipment uh, to try and get some communications up temporarily while they restored cell sites. Um, and additional disaster response engineers landed Saturday, actually. This was for Verizon. Um so they could, they were bringing with them more deployment network assets. 
T-Mobile had an emergency, excuse me, emergency management team in there, and so did AT and T. Um, AT and T had uh, they have deployable network assets year round in Hawaii. So what they were doing was bringing it over to the island of Maui. They had uh, the first one of the first things they did. They brought in a portable FirstNet cell site uh, for the first responders in Lahaina with dedicated connectivity on band 14. Um, and then, so they made progress during the week um, by, I want to say Thursday. Well, no, by when, eh, by Tuesday, half, about half of the cell sites were up and restored. And by Thursday, 16 out of 21 were restored and operational. Uh, according to the FCC. So that's that's a lot of progress, actually. The uh, five AMs were on the air. As far as I can tell, they never went off the air. No FMs or TV stations were reported to be off the air. Lots of cable and internet subscribers remained off the air, more than 16,000 by the end of the week. The other, uh, another thing... Uh, Thing I covered was SES. They got their FCC validation or certification of their phase two accelerated C-band clearing and repack uh, plan. They completed phase one in 2021. So SES says it's now completed its commitment to the FCC schedule to clear, you know, the lower lower portion of the C-band uh, that they so that the wireless companies can use it for 5G. That means it's eligible to receive the accelerated relocation payment of $2.99 billion. That's pre-tax. The SES expects that to be paid in the fourth quarter. It got $1 billion in 2021 for meeting uh, its phase one accelerated C-band clearing deadline. And it had to do a lot of things to meet that deadline. They had to launch five new satellites to continue enabling broadcast delivery of television programs to nearly 120 million homes and critical data services. They had to uh, repack their their C-band downlink services in the continental U.S. into the upper 200 megahertz of C-band, they repacked the, uh, uh, so the TV, what they were broadcasting for TV into the upper 20 megahertz also, uh, which is 4,000 to 4,200 4, 4, megahertz. And they also had to move all the associated incumbent earth stations through CONUS into the upper 200 megahertz of the C-band. They had to make equipment changes to the earth stations to allow the operators to receive substantially the same service during the repack and after the repack as they were able to receive before. They uh, installed a lot of passband filters to block signals uh, from the nearby 3,700 to 4,000 megahertz band to all those associated incumbent earth stations. I remember doing a story about that. And they... Uh, modified telemetry, tracking, and control operations to receive telemetry above the 4,000 megahertz band. So that was a lot of work. And I think now we're ready for SHARP. 
who was diligently yes. looking for something to talk about. <laughs> yes, uh, that's not too hard. The, uh, um, you know, even with the, uh, the slowdown, um, I'd say that the industry is, uh, is diligently looking for, uh, uh, for, uh, for for other ways to uh, to make money, and uh, and there are a lot of other things that they can do other than just build cell towers and uh, and lay lay fiber. And uh, one of the stories that I found uh, to be compelling in that area was a uh, was a news story that uh, dealt with uh, Siemens. Uh, getting involved with electric vehicle charging stations at the, uh, at, at the smart city in uh, Peachtree Corners, uh, Georgia. It's called the Curiosity Lab. And the Curiosity Lab is a 5G-enabled intelligent mobility and smart city living laboratory uh, located uh, near Atlanta. And um, it's powered by, uh, by T-Mobile. And... Uh, uh, having uh, uh, the a lot of the a lot of the companies that I've talked with uh, are are involved in uh, in building uh, electric vehicle charging stations it uh, it takes uh, really all their all their skill sets that they that they employ uh, to uh, to build a cell tower they use those to uh, to do an EV charging station we're talking civil Engineering, electrical engineering, uh, RF engineering, and um, so and uh, and you you need to have uh, crews that can go all over the U.S. Uh, so it's really a perfect fit uh, for uh, for a lot of our readers, uh, for the Ane firms, and uh, for uh, uh, for tower construction companies, and uh, so. Um, it just really caught my eye that uh, that Siemens isn't getting involved because it's uh, uh, it's huge, and uh, they have a they have a huge presence there in in Atlanta, so uh, it's it's a it's really a, I think a, a good sign of uh, of a, a possibility for a diversification uh, in our industry when uh, when you get Siemens involved with uh, with the project you know there's it's uh, it's going to go big, so I thought that was uh, was really good news for uh, for companies that are that are going uh, that need to diversify and need to put people into uh, into uh, into uh, into action. And uh, uh, just as a side note, uh, another another. Uh, um, uh, side gig, uh, if you will, that is going to uh, employ a lot of our uh, readers are private wireless networks. And uh, we had another uh, announcement by uh, U.S. Cellular. Um, uh, they, they're joined together with Ericsson to, uh, to offer customized private wireless networks. So uh, this, again, this is another area that uh, um, is ripe for uh, uh, for expansion and uh, and to allow our our uh, readers to uh, to diversify their their uh, their portfolio. 
providing uh, industrial IoT uh, for uh, hospitals, uh, utilities, airports, and uh, and I think uh, it's a good sign that the uh, that uh, that the carriers are getting serious about providing uh, these networks. So uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think that the word the word for two, 2023 is uh, is diversification. And uh, and you're seeing you're seeing lots of opportunities pop up. That's very interesting, Sharp. I'm going to do a shameless uh, plug here. We did an in-depth article on private networks in the last issue of Intelligence. So if our readers are interested in taking a look at that, uh, we look at the mechanics of private networks and did a little forecast as well. So uh, I think you're right. I think diversification is really the buzzword these days, and it seems to be uh, taking hold here. And it Thank you, John. You're, you're you're nothing if not shameless. I'm, I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> What's your yeah, name? It, sound, it sounds like the skills needed to oh, build no, tower it, sites it, and cell sites are sharp ones to lay transferred to other ways. From, so that's good. Sharp wants to lay on that line for me. Lay on me that line from Saturday Night Live. No, no, no. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there, John. <laughs> it's implied. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jim, what are you going to talk about? Yeah, hey, Leslie. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to our friends at Warriors for Wireless, which is the uh, well-known uh, charitable organization uh, for our industry that, that uh, hopefully we're all aware of. Uh, their job, their charter is to uh, provide training for veterans, uh, U.S. military veterans. Uh, thank you all for your service. And um, this, uh, they, they've reached a couple milestones just, just lately, and, and uh, they, they shot us a little note about what they've been doing, and uh, we're, we're, we're happy to report that because they do such a, such a great job and, and uh, not only helping the industry, but, but, but helping uh, veterans to uh, um, work their way back into the uh, uh, commercial commercial sector with with some some uh, good jobs. So, uh, in the past twelve months, though, for instance, um, if you didn't have a grasp on on how active they are, they've just in the past twelve months they contacted they said ninety thousand vets to help them tell them about climbing and, and ground based telecom career opportunities, and they've they've coached sixteen thousand vets about career options. Uh, at the same time, uh, they've connected 750 vets to career opportunities. And uh, with one of the over 600 prospective employers that uh, wireless Warriors for Wireless uh, supports. And they do this at no charge, by the way. Um, and all of their funding, um, they, they and, over the years, since 2017, they've gotten over $4 million in contributions, uh, which applies 100%. Uh, all, 100% of all contributions uh, are used directly to assist veterans. And this is all run by uh, retired Air Force General Kevin Kennedy. He likes to go by Kevin, uh, which I always have a hard time with, but um, 
but I'm happy to, to comply with Kevin, uh, who uh, said that um, uh, that he was thankful to uh, the military of Nate, an association within within Nate uh, that has enhanced their industry wide visibility. Uh, he thanked their biggest contributors, T-Mobile, Vertical Bridge, and um, he said they're on track to assist over 800 veterans just in 2023. And he said that'll be their best year ever. And even and that is also a 33% um, increase over the number of veterans they they helped last year. So the, the milestone they are reaching, it could be any any moment now, they said they'd reach it in the next day or two, is um, – 4,000, and that is assisting 4,000 veterans um, to relocate and with new jobs in the industry. So congratulations to um, Kevin Kennedy, the president, CEO, and coach of Warriors for Wireless, uh, to all the contributors who've helped him out in the past, and uh, to those in our industry who uh, who accept these veterans uh, into their uh uh, in into their payroll and 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 uh, incorporate them back into uh, uh, back into the commercial uh, wireless sector. So, thank you all for your services. So that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. Inside Towers Week in Review and a reminder for a complete rundown of all the week's stories. Check out our Saturday edition. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.